Welcome to the latest episode of Balls, Bats and Pots podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Edwards, and tonight I'm delighted to be joined once again by a good friend of mine and ESPN baseball analyst, Dan Zimborski. Dan, how's he going? Pretty good. We have playoff baseball, Steve, so everything's good. Everything is good, and, and obviously unless you're a Mets fan and then the season finished... Uh, well, your life is never good as a Mets fan, so <laughs> that's not even an issue. Do you know what, though? I mean, I'll get into it before you talk about the playoffs, and I know we kind of joked about this like a, um, a little while ago, but I feel like I'm being quite Mets-esque right now because I'm actually having like podcast-ending surgery for a week uh, on Tuesday when I have my uh, right wrist reconstructed. I mean, it's even happening to fans now. Did the Mets uh, diagnose that as a knee problem first? Well, I, I, I didn't ask for their opinion because I wanted a qualified one. Ah, oh, well, that, that's always fun. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of fun to see what they say. Oh, you have the rickets. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going on the seven-day disabled list. So this will be the last podcast for a week as I sit there and um, try and figure out how I'm going to eat food and, and everything else with my arm in plaster, which won't be fun, but... I did suggest the fact that maybe I should get like a bell to ring whenever I want something, but I think my wife might actually lynch me at that point. Yeah, that 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 never works. It only works in sitcoms. <laughs> well, at least I got some backup to do with that. But just anyway, okay. Enough about my injury. So I'm I am having surgery. That's about it. And right wrist being reconstructed. And after that, I should be able to throw a 96 mile an hour fastball. But Let's just hope for that to be able to happen and I can then be signed by the Mets, be paid a hell of a lot of money, and they won't need Matt Harvey after all. Well, uh, you know, before your injury, you were probably pretty close to be being one of the best five options for the Mets rotation right now. Yeah, apart from the fact that I need to get on a plane to New York, first of all. I, I'm sure they might. I'm sure if you sign with the Mets, they would pay for half of your plane ticket. <laughs> Only half. How, ge- how, ge- how generous. Well, the thing is, you know, we've always had money issues for a while and we've got to find that new manager, haven't we? So we've got to stump up some money for that. So I can't really ask for too much, to be perfectly honest. But I'm sure that people haven't tuned in today to listen to us talk about the Mets and, and my wrist surgery. So let's start over in the American League. Divisional Series action is now in play. And let's start with the Astros and the Red Sox, which I think... A really interesting matchup, and potentially the Red Sox might be the worst team odds-wise left in the uh, postseason, but I know read, a lot of Red Sox fans would actually disagree with me on that one. But in terms of how the matchups have been set up for the series, what have you made of those in terms of the choices that have been made? I actually don't think you're that wrong when you say the Red Sox might have the, the worst odds of any team remaining, because one, they, they don't really have, they don't have David Price back in the rotation, uh, they didn't want to risk stretching him out for, for the postseason. Uh, and really, their offense, I mean, they were six in the A on runs, but the offense is just very, very mad. They don't really have one or two really good offensive players. They have good overall players because, I mean, they have a terrific outfield defense, but they're not getting much. They didn't get much out of first base this year. They didn't get much out of DH this year. And they didn't really make up for that elsewhere. Uh, so it's hard to see with that offense and their offensive problems. It, it, it makes some, some rough matchups in the postseason. Especially this postseason, pretty much everybody has a really good rotation. You don't see a lot of, with, with the Twins out, you don't see a lot of teams that have like good offenses and, and bad picking, which you sometimes see. It, it, I think that, I mean, it could happen, but it's, it's an uphill climb for the Red Sox, I think. 
And I think the thing is as well, they would love to be able to trot Chris Sale out there three times because I think you know, he's probably the one guy that they can potentially rely on. Um, but when you look at the, the pitching matchup for me, you've got to give the edge to the Astros. And this is where I think you know picking up Justin Verlander has really helped them in terms of how far they'll go in the postseason. Yeah, Verlander, I mean, it was a, it was a good pickup for them. Uh, they 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 gave a fair price. People were always were saying before, oh, they got to give up Bregman to get Verlander. I'm like, they're not going to give up Bregman for Verlander. If that's the price of Justin Verlander, then Verlander stays in Detroit. Uh, I, I, but now that they actually have him, yeah, he's he's a big addition to the top of the rotation, especially because he's just been cruising the second half of the season. Uh, he was pretty much unstoppable in Houston. He had you know one of those crazy ridiculous strikeout to walk ratios, yeah. I think like ten to one or something. Yeah, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, I tell you one thing I did think about this series is that I think where one area that the, the Astros could, uh, could potentially be exploited is if the Red Sox really try and stretch and run those bases and try and steal bases and try and, you know, try and put some pressure on the catchers that the Astros are going to put out there. Yeah, Brian McCann had probably, well, Easily his worst season yet, throwing up base runners. Uh, I, I, I think that is a risk, but I think that Houston can is more likely to pummel them into the ground than the Red Sox are to nickel and dime them uh, away. I guess I shouldn't use the American currency uh, saying. <laughs> what, what, do you have a, Do you, what? Do you guys have an equivalent of of, of nickel and diming? Do you call? Do you say penny and pounding or anything? I don't think we use definitely the the, the latter phrase there, but um, I I don't know. I mean, I, I think you know we can use um, U.S. coinage because from latest statistics on my poll that you know a lot of listeners are coming in from the U.S. So I think we're we're good to go on that particular front. So I do you know this series for for me? I mean, you just kind of highlighted there, you know, the kind of the boss and the kind of kind of scrap to get runs. I mean, that almost makes them kind of like a, a national league team of old and kind of puts even more pressure on their pitching to be pretty much perfect through these games. And I just think the same as probably you is that the Astros are going to bust these games open. Yeah. It, it's, it's the most likely thing. Obviously baseball is going to baseball, but I mean, the, the Red Sox have a good rotation, but you, you can't say you have as much confidence, you know, in Drew Pomeranz and, and Doug Fister, who's who's going to be in Game Three. You can't say that that you have as much confidence in those guys as you have in pretty much any team that's remaining their rotation. Uh, even even the Yankees, I think, have a better one, two, three right now with with Price out. Yeah, um, and, and I think as well, if the game does get into the the latter stages again, I, I favor the. the the Astros bullpen more as well than I do the Red Sox bullpen. So I think it's not only the fact that they could have trouble scoring runs early on against the Astros. I think they're going to struggle even in the latter stages as well. And one of the nice things about the Astros is since they do have a deep rotation uh, now, uh, obviously Colin McHugh was left off the roster, but they have the option of, of using some of these extra starters in the bullpen, especially if we get to the next series. Uh, I think if they get to the ALCS, I think maybe we will see Colin McHugh back. Uh, but I, I do like Houston better there. Their bullpen's been a lot better the second half of the season because, uh, I mean, Davinsky's been been awesome. Uh, Kenny Jones has, has, has really turned it on since, I guess, May. Yeah. Uh, I, I like I like the matchup for Houston. Who's a potential X factor in the series on either side? Oh, well, I... I 
I think that X Factor might actually be like Drew Pomeranz or Doug Fister because one of the benefits Houston has is they match up better uh, in, in the pitching. And if they, if Drew Pomeranz, if, if he's completely on, then, then all of a sudden, if he can make up for David Price, then all of a sudden it looks more even. Uh, maybe they get a, some offense where they don't expect it. Uh, uh, one, one good thing about Boston is they have Raphael Devers, you know, on the roster for the second half rather than Pablo Sandoval, and he's got just huge upside. Uh, I mean, the way he played this season, he might be the most valuable offensive player in the team already. Uh, I don't think that's that big a stretch. Uh, so it, it, it's going to see where Boston gets them overperforming. If they can get some overperforming for a place or two, all of a sudden they do match up better against Houston. So let's do a prediction as to where we think this is going to go. I'm going to say that I think the Astros are going to win this series, and I'm going to go three games to one. I'll go three to two because as a stat guy, I always think a thing is really close. <laughs> so I, I, I never predict 4-0 or 4-1 in, in the World Series. I'm always the 4-3 guy no matter what. You always want that game seven drama that um, hopefully the series will go down to, whereas I tend to think, you know, well, there's too much really, certainly in this series for the Astros not to win this one quite comfortably. I mean, I can see the Red Sox taking one game because I think they'll get the, they'll get a Chris Sale start and he'll just be lights out. But uh, I think apart from that, I think it's going to be a case of the Astros have got too much. They've got too much pitching, too much hitting. I, I could just see the Astros busting these games open way too easily. It, it, it is kind of funny if you think at the start of the season that we'd be talking about the Astros at the playoffs and talking positive and talking about how they'd have Justin Verlander and then Brad Peacock, and actually that'd be a positive thing to have Brad Peacock <laughs> because I mean Peacock, he I mean he had he acquitted himself very well uh, last year in his limited time, but he's he struggled in in in, in his starting opportunities in the past. Uh, so to for him to all of a sudden, be an eleven strikeout a game pitcher this year, and to really be a a good part of the of the rotation that you like to have in the postseason. That's just wild. Well, that's the Astros in the ALCS, as far as we can see. And I still find it hard to say that the Astros in the the ALCS. Um, you know, just again showing my yeah, age that I they're they're in the NL West, and and the Brewers are in the AL East, <laughs> and there are no central divisions. <laughs> Well, it kind of gets me to like this the the next series because when I think of you know the Indians and the Yankees, I think of the the playoff game in Major League right at the very end, which was back at the time when the Indians and the Yankees were in the American League East. Yeah, that that it uh, wasn't. I thought that was to make the playoffs. I'd have to actually look that. I don't think that was a playoff game. It was that just they the? It was a one-game playoff, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I forget it was about the playoffs that. or yeah. the tie, or I have to look at that because it it wasn't a key part of the plot. The, the comeback was the plot. Yeah, and and what was always what was always uh, funny about that movie uh, was 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 Clue Haywood because uh, you yeah. know he was played by Pete Vukovic, yeah, who was not a hitter, but he just really really looked like one. <laughs> he actually. I mean, he was a pitcher, and he actually had like a 350 OPS in in his career hitting in in the uh, majors when he was with the Cardinals. So, like, Clue Haywood, he shouldn't have looked like a good hitter. So it's just funny that he was a hitter. 
Do you know, the guy I always thought, like, later on, who would have been a really good uh, Major League player to be in that movie was a guy like Rod Beck. The oh, former Rod Giants Ah, he, he, he could have he could have been Clue Haywood too. Yeah, <laughs> he's got the right uh, facial hair for it. Yeah, I mean that, that's important. I mean, uh, I guess they could have used him as like the Yankees closer, but it's important to have good good facial hair as a closer. And I, I think we've gotten kind of away from that. Now we kind of focus on things like like cut fastballs. Yeah, but uh, I, I think mutton chops should come back. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look at the awards and things like that, there's never been one for, like, best facial hair rather than the uh, the closer award because that, for me, would have been so much better. Yeah, but, I mean, say you have, like, two fairly identical relievers. One is clean-shaven and one has a killer Fu Manchu mustache. <laughs> I know who I'm Who are you going to pick to be your closer? It's, it's the guy with the mustache. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no question. I mean, are you going to tell the guy with the mustache that, okay, you're going to be the setup guy? Yeah, yeah. Until you get some facial hair, you cannot be our closer. I mean, that's how Brian Wilson turned his career around for a few years. <laughs> he 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 grew the beard completely out. Had you know, uh, Pat Burrow dresses a gimp, and then a legend was made. <laughs> anyway, Indians, <laughs> Yankees. <laughs> so, now, see, I, I find it very difficult because, and when we've spoken previously on this show about. Um, the Indians, obviously the Indians are my pick to go all of the way and and win the World Series. So I'll default to you to start off with. What do you make of the, of this particular matchup? I mean, obviously we've seen the rotation, the way it's been set. You know, Bauer's going in game one, Kluber's going in in game two for the Indians. Um, I mean, I like the, the Indians, Indians pitching, certainly, but I think it's, it's still a very intriguing series. Uh, I, I, I think that... Um... One of the things about I, – I, I mean, I, I like the Indians. I think that they're the clear favorite. Although, again, baseball's going to baseball. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not as high on New York simply because of how their playoff rotation is kind of sorted out because they had to do the one-game play-in. They had to, you know, burn Luis Marino. Uh I don't think they're going to come back to him that quickly. And I think he's their best pitcher. Uh, he, obviously, he had a bad game, but I think he's the team's best pitcher. And they can get eliminated, I think, without him ever pitching, uh, yeah. because uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they've released their whole, their whole uh, playoff rotation yet. But I know it, it's Sunny Gray tonight or yesterday, depending on when people hear this. Uh, <laughs> yep. Was well, like game one. That's that's easy. You don't have to make the you yeah. don't have to make the weekday references. Game one, it was Gray, uh, and then Sabathia in in game two. Uh, and I don't think they've made an announcement for Game 3 yet, but I expect that to be Tanaka. So they, they could lose without having to play their best picture, and I think that's a disadvantage for them. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, the Yankees, they did what they were supposed to during the season. They saw the opportunity to make significant additions, and the roster is a lot better than it was at the start of the season. There's more depth. Uh, they, they added Sonny Gray, uh, and they didn't give up, like, anyone they couldn't part with. So I, I even if I think the Indians are a favor, I like what the Yankees did this year. And as an Orioles fan, I'm not really keyed towards liking things the Yankees do. No, I, I, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm a Mets fan, so I, I definitely don't like anything the Yankees do. I mean, I think this is, again, it's like when you qualify via the, the divisional series from the wild card, 
is that you have to play the wild card like i mean it sounds stupid to say it and you know but you you have to win that game and put everything into that game which then ultimately could hinder you when you actually get into the playoff series that follows that you have to i mean you've said there i mean the yankees had to burn their best pitcher you have to set your changes away how you think about having to set up your rotation going into it. i mean you think about like the indians if they had to do that you know where Mike Kluber had fitted in in terms of this particular playoff series. But it does matter, and this is a reason, I suppose, in a way that we still have that level of importance that, that teams have to win their division to ensure that they don't necessarily have to worry about such things. Yeah, I, I, that, that's one of the reasons I like the, like the second wild card. So the people are like, well, there's you're, now you're allowing the next worst team in the playoffs. <laughs> But the wild card teams aren't usually that far apart. It's not like wild card one generally has ninety five wins and wild card two wins eighty two games or something. Uh, I, I do like that there is a significant penalty for not winning the division, and I think that makes the divisions matter a lot more because during the like the main like the first era of the wild card when you when you didn't have the two wild cards uh, in each league. You saw a lot of the times the divisional races were meaningless in September because all it mattered was home field advantage. And it's just, you want to say that that's a big deal, but it's, it's really not in baseball at all. Uh, the wild card, I mean, got in and got a full slate of games, uh, essentially just as much as, as another team that, that won the division did. Uh, but now you kind of penalize them because it, it gives them real value to winning the division. Uh, so even if we say Yankees were penalized, well, they should have been. If they didn't want to be penalized, they should have won three more games. What are you trying to say that home field advantage doesn't matter? Is it, is that not what the All Star Game was supposed <laughs> to do? Well, that <laughs> that was to make us forget that there was a tie of a really cool game that was like to distract <laughs> us, like because you know the. I'm still mad at the tie. Like, how do you run out of pictures? You have hitters. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, that was always one of the funniest things for me when I first got into baseball. If there was ever a time when you had a hitter go out there, I mean, I, I remember Jose Canseco going out there and, and, and pitching. It was just fun to watch. Then it yeah, went off the scale course, for a while. Of course, Canseco got injured. But <laughs> I, I think having the pitchers stay out there, but throw with their non-throwing hand, that still would have been superior to a tie. Fans I mean, out of the stadium. He, it would have been superior. I just, you can't have a tie. Tie just, uh, I don't want to say un-American, but they're uh, uncivilized. It, it is. It, it, exactly what it is. It is un-American. When you, when you talk about sport, I know when I first started getting into American sport, and I think like, you know, um, my dad got me involved in all of this. And, you know, you actually look down at everything. And there are no ties. I mean, over here, we, we play a game called cricket where, it goes on for five days, and it can still be a draw. And I've, I've tried to explain that to, to so many North American sports fans, and they're just like, what, you, you play for five days, and yet you still don't get a result? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, I, I've seen, like, I've seen the, the, the cricket. I'm still figuring that out. Uh, so I, 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 don't, I don't know that much about cricket, uh, sadly. It's another bat and ball game, but goes on way longer. I suppose that's probably the best way to describe it. And all the cricket fans that are listening to this, I do apologise, but I'm not a cricket fan either. And we will go back to the to the Indians and the Yankees in terms of what they're going to do in the in the baseball playoffs. But we've had a few segues tonight. But I think this for me, 
I'm actually more interested in this series than maybe I probably am in the other series because I think this one could be a lot closer, but the Yankees, for me, have got to find a way to solve Kluber, even if they solve him once, because they're gonna, otherwise you have to think that they're going to have to win game one, they're going to have to win game three, and they're going to have to win game four because Kluber's going to go out there for games two and five, and the Indians, it would work so much in their favour is if they were able to close any series even before they get to Game 5, because then they'll be able to trot out Kluber, obviously, in Game 1 of the, of the ALCS. But do you think the Yankees have got enough to, one, solve the Indians in the games that Kluber hasn't got to go out there, or have you, do you think they've got enough to solve Kluber as well? Uh, well, you know, anything can happen in baseball. I mean, Kluber is the best bowler in the league right now. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I, they they could. I'd probably put Cleveland without running the numbers, probably about two to one favorites. Uh, because, I mean, you could put the, the, uh, the Giants in there in a five-game series against Cleveland, and I don't even think they have a chance. Uh, so obviously the Yankees are much better than the Giants. Mm. I, I, to me, I, I honestly think that the Indians will win this series, but I do think that this one will actually go five games. I can just see the Yankees being able to s- scrap a couple of victories out of here, but I don't think they'll beat Cleveland. I think ultimately they will come undone in, in game five. Uh, the, the key in game one to get to Trevor Bauer is you might want to have like a drone fly in the stadium because he has problems <laughs> with those. So do I, they're too loud. Went to a wedding once where they had a drone. Most people spent more time looking up at the drone than they did at the people getting married. Uh, yeah, I always, I always love the people, people getting mad at, about Bauer and the whole drone thing when he got injured, uh, <laughs> yelling at him on Twitter, and then he just was <laughs> mean to them hilariously. He's building a new drone, though. So maybe he'll, he'll injure himself uh, in the next hour. Pitching matchup will be announced. Bauer versus Drone. Um, <laughs> so, where do you see this series going, Dan? I, I know. I think you're going to agree with me and say that the Indians are going to win it. But how many games is it going to take? I'm going to wuss out again. I'm going to say five games. Well, see, I think it will be five games. Yeah, but I'm going to wuss out, and I'm going to say the maximum for all of them. <laughs> so, I'm warning you ahead that I'm, I'm not brave. I'm, I'm a coward. I'm a prediction coward. Is that so you can run your numbers for game five in every series and see what happens? Yeah, I, I, I could. I, 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 I root for the, the postseason to, to last as many games as possible because then we're going to have to wait six months for new games, well, five months for new games. It's funny you say that because like in terms of like how long I want playoff series to go on for, I find myself in this day and age, like with the NBA, I just want the series over as quickly as possible. The NHL, you always want the series really to go as long as possible. And in baseball, I think in the early stages of the playoffs, I kind of want the series over as quick as possible. But give me a game seven of a World Series every single year. That's what I want. I, I, I think teams could just contrive to just do that. Contrive to do that. Yeah, just have a last game, year's seven. game seven was terrific. So yeah. we, if if they could do that every year, just take that. Well, the Indians always play great game sevens. They just don't win them. Oh, <laughs> so mean. <laughs> Sorry, but you Indians picked fans. them to win. So <laughs> yeah, I have picked so them to win. Yourself. <laughs> 
but see, I see. I remember nineteen ninety seven against against the Marlins. Yeah, just yeah. I think the secret is for the Indians is don't play extra innings in a game seven of a World Series. It doesn't end well. Yeah, and it's always sad to see the Marlins always just go through the playoffs, and like the team that never seems to deserve it. They because, are the, you know, the, the management, uh, the style where they built the teams. They've never, ever de- deserved it. And, I, and when I sit there and think about the fact, and I'm sure other baseball fans do exactly the same, is that they can watch your team and realize that the Marlins won two World Series crowns. They've won two in my lifetime and since they've been in existence, and yet there's so many teams out there that haven't even won one during that time. And you think about the fact that they were constructed the way they were, then dismantled, and yet other teams have really not done that, and yet it's worked on both occasions they've done it. Yeah, and Jeff Loria has a World Series ring. (laughs) (laughs) So there's always guys about, you can always look down rosters and see guys that have got rings, and you go, you just don't deserve it. Yeah, I I mean, if you give Jeff Loria a World Series ring, it should be like, you know, some kind of, cursed Lord of the Rings ring that turns him into like a World Series ring wraith or something, <laughs> then that would be fitting punishment. Right, so that's it for the American League and Dan and I, and I'm not going to ask him how many games for now as he's decided he's going to go for five games every series, but we both agree that it's going to be the Astros and the Indians, which I think will be an incredible American League championship series when we do get that far. But let's move over to the National League now and let's start with the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks won the one game wild card to be able to get into this series. And once again, Dan, we've got another story around an Apple Watch potentially being used. Well, I use PC products, so so <laughs> I I would I would penalize them just for having the Apple Watch. <laughs> I'm 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 a, I'm a PC guy, so so you say, oh, you have an we had an Apple. Oh, well, you're losing all your draft picks then. <laughs> yeah. But uh. Uh, I guess that that probably wouldn't be fair, but yeah, there's a little bit of controversy. I don't think it's going to be a big difference. Uh, I, they might get a fine later on. We'll see because the that investigation's still unwinding. Yeah, uh, I suppose it depends on what version of the Apple Watch they're using. I suppose they should be penalized if they're using the wrong version. Really? Yes, yeah, I mean some of the early Apple Watches had problems, so maybe it's not working right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I blame Apple. Just that's what it is. They release a product that could be used in such a educational way when it comes to playing a game of baseball. That blame Apple. Yeah, I'm, I, see, I'm also bitter because they uh, discontinued, you know, all the classic iPods. Yeah, which was a really cool piece of technology. I have an iPod with, you know, a 160 gigabyte hard drive because even if I'm not super big on Apple, that was a that's a pretty sweet product. But I know that it's going to die someday. And like the used 160 gigabyte iPods are like are like six hundred dollars on Amazon used, uh, so I'm I'm a little annoyed about that. I don't want an iPhone to play MP3s in my car, so that's that's a little off topic. But that that's my issue with Apple since it came up. Uh, also, just on principle, I'm I'm annoyed they got rid of the of the you know the headset the headset jack. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that, that that drives me nuts. Like I've got an I've got an iPhone seven, and that just literally just drives me nuts every time I think about it. Just trying to decide whether or not I can put my headphones in, or whether I can charge, or or whatever, both. And uh, I don't know. It it does it is a problem. But do you know what I th- I thought about what you were just saying about there, Danny? So what you want to do is go into like an Apple store and find the youngest person in there, 
and sh- and and show them the i uh, the iPod you've got and just watch their head explode because I, I guarantee they won't know what that is. Yeah, I actually saw uh, there was a video on YouTube I think where they actually showed kids some like turn of the millennium technology <laughs> uh, and tried to have them explain it and it was pretty sad. It made me feel very old. Well, I did think about one time. So you know, I've got a, a couple of kids, as I mentioned on the, on on the podcast previously. Is it, they they expect everything instantly in front of them when they play a game, and I have thought about buying them like an old like Commodore sixty four and getting them to sit down for fifteen minutes and wait for a game to load and just see whether or not they will sit there and wait and watch. And if I can get it so it the the tape stops playing right at the very end, you know, that very last bit, that if it didn't work, it then crashed anyway. So you spent 15 minutes waiting for the game to load and then you still couldn't play it. If I could simulate that and then just, like, watch and see what happens, yeah, I'm, I'm such a good parent. You need to find, like, a, like a Windows mod that, that makes it all work for everything you have to run from, like, a fake DOS command line. <laughs> that would be... That'd be awesome. There are some people out there that don't know what DOS is. Un- unfortunately, I do. I remember well, that's when. That's too bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if they if they don't know what DOS is and they don't want to know, then then they're not welcome. <laughs> I think my first version of Diamond Mind Baseball was on DOS. Actually, thinking about it, I'm sure it was one of the earliest versions uh, of that I ever had. I remember I I had to upgrade uh, my monitor. This was in the late '80s, so I could play Civilization, the original, and. It's hard to explain to people now just how bad like early monitors were because I had a CGA monitor, which means everything was black, white, this weird hot pink, or cyan. Cyan. I never really got how to say that, but that that's what the colors were for some reason. That it was decided that those were the colors that a that a that a monitor would have, and it was a pretty bad existence. But you know what, kids? We're in 2017, so you, you've got life easy now, so we can sit here and argue over an Apple Watch and what it means to a playoff game and everything else going forward. So how do you see the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks going? See, now, now all I can think is that like, it's 2017. That is way more years than I feel should have happened so far. Uh, but going back to the Dodgers-Diamondbacks, I, I, I mean, I do like the Dodgers. I think they're a really good team, uh, though in fairness, some of their depth is really hard to capture in a playoff uh, series uh, because they can't bring all that depth to to the front like they can during the regular season. But it's hard. But the Diamondbacks are a very good matchup. I mean, it, not well, not for the Dodgers, but Arizona. Their rotation is so excellent. Uh, they really were good from one to five all year in the rotation, and I think that they'll have very good matchups against the Dodgers. So I think that if if there was I think they're one of the better upset opportunities. Uh I think a better better chances than the Yankees have or the Twins and Rockies would have had. I think the Diamondbacks are the best equipped to take the Dodgers to five games. I know I said everybody goes to five games, but especially this one. <laughs> and this one's got the opportunity for um... five plus <laughs> yeah, five plus games. This might go extra innings in extra, in five yeah, games. It, it might just take two more games, just just because they were close. Yeah, they'll turn it into a best of seven. You know, it's kind of like one of those things, like when you lose, and you say, "Oh, best out of three. <laughs> no, no, best out of five. <laughs> best out of seven. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll be one of those things. But I think the, when you look at the pitching in a series, I think 
it's one of those series where, you know, run either way could very well decide most of those games. But I think where I kind of have an issue in terms of Diamondbacks is when it gets into the latter stages of the game and they become reliant on their bullpen. Yeah, Fernando Rodney. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do love someone. I do love his theatrics. They're a lot of fun. He, he's, a, he's a fun guy. You got to love someone who pretends to be a long bowman uh, from Agincourt. Um, but uh, sometimes the, the bows don't work. Sometimes the offense has, has plate armor and, and they defeat him. Uh, so he's, he's probably the biggest X factor, which Rodney they get. The thing is as well, I mean, this is a guy that's been a closer in his league so long, and yet wherever he goes, it seems like you kind of wonder how much longer this guy can actually be a closer in this league, and yet, for whatever reason, he still has a job. Yeah, because every, everywhere he goes, he's just he has these, these runs. Like, he, he was terrible with, with the Mariners. Uh, well, he had one really good season with the Mariners, then he was terrible with the Mariners, and the Cubs picked him up, and then he, he was very good in his brief time. And then, then he went to San Diego, and he, was, he allowed like one run in half a season, and then he wasn't good in Miami. And it, 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 it's pretty entertaining because most of the relievers that – most of the closures that last so long tend to be pretty good, like you know the, the Mariana Rivera's, Trevor Hoffman's. But uh, Rodney reminds me a little bit of like Jose Mesa in a way where he just lasts forever, and as long as he's fun if he's not on your team, uh, I, I think maybe I'll enjoy him because he's never been on the Orioles. <laughs> Is it uh, kind of like the Mitch Williams syndrome? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I guess it's the opposite of A.J. Pierzynski, <laughs> who only his teammates occasionally like him and everybody else hates him. Yeah, I mean, for me again, I I think in because I've been watching the baseball as long as as long as you, Dan. It's kind of like when I watch closers out there, it is a guy like a Mitch Williams. You know, you again with him, you never knew what you were going to get. You love the three tricks, you loved how he looked, you knew full well that at times it was going to just end up in absolute disaster. But it was compelling to watch because you just didn't know what was going to happen and what Mitch Williams you were going to get. And I think it's kind of like that. And I, I would view Rodney kind of being in that kind of scenario. And uh, if he has to come in and there are games on the line, I think a lot of Diamondbacks fans are going to want to put their hands over their eyes and not be able to watch it. Yeah, he's not going to be average. He's either going to be absolutely unstoppable this postseason or he's going to lose all three games. Do you know, this series, one thing I would love to see in it is like a guy like a, a Paul Goldschmidt just have like this absolutely incredible series. And he's a guy that can actually carry the Diamondbacks on his back, on his own. And if the games do stay close, I'll be very interested to see how much the Dodgers actually pitch to this guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, they added, obviously, J.D. Martinez uh, in the middle of the season, which which is one of the great pickups in history. Uh by baseball reference, he had like two and a half war, which is really, really good for a midseason pickup of that type. So they had success there. But through a lot of the season, Goldschmidt was the offense. Mm. Uh, I mean, Jake Lamb was good, but he wasn't amazing. Goldschmidt was did as much of carrying a team's offense as pretty much anyone has, except for like Stanton, which of course makes the why well, we have the whole MVP argument. 
Yeah. Uh, but I'd love for him to do really well on the stage because he got kind of screwed in the whole uh, 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 the baseball classic earlier this year mm. when it, he pretty much sat all the time for Eric Hosmer, uh, which, which still still gets on my nerves, even though Hosmer did have a pretty good season in the end, that, that Goldschmidt would have to ride the bench so much. So it, I'd like to see him you know, on, the, on the big stage do really well. See, for me, you just touched on the MVP argument there for a second. I would, I would give it to Goldschmidt over Stanton, but that's just me. I think you can't have an MVP on a non-playoff team. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I, I would go for, I would go for Goldschmidt though. I was trying to say go for Goldschmidt on a radio appearance <laughs> last week, and I couldn't get it out. I, I couldn't say the words go for Goldschmidt. It kept, it kept tying me up. So I said, never mind, just pick Stanton. <laughs> just find yourself saying go for instead and kind of like a, have like a caddyshack moment uh yeah and uh i know someone who just tells people that my name is pronounced smith just, not just <laughs> smith. so where so okay you said five games so which way is this series going to go dodgers diamondbacks which one are you going to go Dodge, for dodgers but i think the diamondbacks have a really good shot like if i call New York versus Cleveland, two to one in favor of of the uh, of the Indians. I'd probably call Arizona, Los Angeles is like fifty five forty five in favor of the Dodgers, and that and that's saying a lot for a team that won one hundred and four games. And I like a lot. Uh, I, I just think that Arizona is a is a tough matchup for them. Yeah, I, I see the Dodgers winning this one three games to one, and I just think that they're not going to pitch to Goldschmidt that much, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take other players in the Arizona lineup to beat them, and I just think the pitching is just a bit stronger on Los Angeles' side, and I fear that Rodney will possibly cause at least one defeat for Arizona, so it's, it's not going to be good, but we'll see how that one turns out. Let's move over to the final series to look at, and that's the Cubs and the Nationals. Obviously, the Cubs are trying to defend their World Series crown, but obviously they come into this postseason different than when they came into last year when a lot of people felt that you know, this was a team to potentially beat in the World Series. But this year, then people aren't talking about them as much. Well, you, you look at the team. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of the elements. Uh, of their 2016 win. Uh, the offense is still really good. They were still second in the NL and runs scored, and the team that was ahead of them played in Coors Field. So they, they still scored runs, even though there are some weaknesses uh, on the team offensively, especially in the corner outfield. Uh, but the pitching has really let them down this year. Uh, I, I like them long-term, but short-term there's a lot of questions. Uh, Jose Quintana has been really up and down in Chicago. Uh, John Lackey is kind of off the map now. John Lester has just not been his usual self this year. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been terrible or anything, but he's allowing a lot more home runs than he normally does. Uh, I, I think the Nats, they, they, they legitimately have three uh, Cy Young contenders this year. And I think that the short playoff series is really good for Washington yeah. simply because the back of the rotation is really unimpressive. Uh, I mean, they intentionally gave Edwin Jackson 13 starts this year. That's, that's not the kind of depth that's, that some of the better, some of the uh, teams with, you know, more starters have, uh, but that doesn't really hurt them in the playoffs. 
uh, because they can ride Scherzer. They can, assuming he's healthy, they can ride Strasburg. They can ride Geo. Uh, so I, I, I think that I would actually, I'm actually taking Washington here. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, from what I understand, and I, I don't know if you know any different, Dan, is that you know, the, the rotation for the Nationals really isn't set for this playoff series. It's almost like one big secret. Yeah, it's uh, Max, Max Scherzer's uh, leg has kind of made a lot of questions about who pitches when. So uh, I think I think they don't even know because they haven't pitching bullpen sessions to see when they can start using him. Uh, they have Strasburg going in game one. Mm. So uh, I, I, I'm i not sure it's so much a secret as it's a secret to themselves. Too. Yeah. I mean, I think as well, I mean, like, uh, what I will say is, unlike previous years maybe, is I think the Nationals' bullpen this year is, is certainly something to look at when it comes to this particular series because I think, again, runs are going to be a, a premium in this series. You You have to say that with the way the starting pitching is, certainly on the National side and potentially on the Cubs side as well. So it could come down to who can potentially score late on against the other team's bullpen. And and one thing the Nats did is they did they did add they just they still don't have a great bullpen, but they added some they aggressively added arms to the front of the bullpen yeah. as the season went on. And they can ride those arms, not some of the secondary ones that caused them problems. I'm sure I'm sure after this season, uh they don't want to see Joe Blanton ever again. Um uh, I, I, I think that that the bullpen probably won't come back to haunt them unless you get some of those you know those those eighteen inning games, and in those eighteen inning games, I think the Cubs are better off than the Nationals are. So what you're but not to... a lot of eighteen inning games. So no, that's a good thing. No, this is it. I mean, what you're trying to say is, is the Cubs are going to have to just try and outlast the Nationals at time, which which could be quite interesting. I mean, I you know I like to see games go on and on and on as long as it means I do get some sleep, and that's spoken from somebody that's over yeah, this I'm side sorry. of the Atlantic that um, has to be sitting there at 5, 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Not that I've ever done that, of course, on multiple occasions across multiple sports, because I just can't turn it off. And I've, I've even known situations, and this happened, it was happened a few years ago now. I, I actually remember getting to my desk at work, and it was like 9 o'clock in the morning, and I was listening to a West Coast game that was still going on. It wasn't a playoff game, it was a regular season game. And it's like, it's kind of crazy, and you've got the American fans sitting there complaining. Saying, it's like, one well, in the morning, and we want to go to sleep because I don't want to watch baseball anymore. I was like, it's nine in the morning here. You know, like, we, we've sat up all night watching this game, listening, whatever else we might have to do. I think it's sometimes like quite funny. They don't realize maybe, like, what other people have to go through to try and follow their teams and, and everything else that goes along with that. And, you know, I would never turn off a game unless I really, really had to and I really, really needed sleep and I'm not going to be doing that because I don't think I'll be sleeping much over the next week or two trying to sort out with my wrist being in plaster and everything else and I probably don't want to smack my wife in her sleep when I've got my plaster on so that's probably not a great idea so I might as well be sitting and watching baseball to be fair. Yeah, and, and last year there were some pretty, pretty long games uh, in, in the postseason uh, because the Dodgers had Pedro Baez pitching and that adds an hour right there. Yeah, uh, they they had that nearly five hour uh, game five against the Nationals. Yeah, uh, so no. so hopefully you'll get you get to bed before uh, seven a.m. I, I hope so, but I, I do think that there is certainly a chance with a couple of these games going to actually into it the way that the um, 
the pitching is potentially going to be. And originally, if people listened to the show that I did with Dan a while ago, is I was talking about an Indians Cubs World Series. I just think now the way that things are shaped up, I'm kind of like in the same thought process as you, Dan. I really think that the Nationals are going to win this series, but it is going to go five games. I mean, this is one of those series for me that will go five. And I'm hoping well, maybe all for of my, extra all innings. Of mine are five. Yeah, all of yours I are five. <laughs> so you're are you, are you taking the Nationals as well in this series? Yeah, and, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to take the Nats in five. I mean, I like the Cubs, and I think the Cubs' best chance is to have these games go as long as possible. Because if you can get past their their starters, you can get past their front line of the bullpen. All of a sudden, it's not as good a matchup for the Nationals. Uh, their 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 back end is not that impressive. Uh, so I think the Cubs could win pretty regularly if they could push into long, 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 slow games. Uh, maybe get to some of these starters early so that they have to stretch out that bullpen. I I, I do take the Nats though. Do you think it's like one of those cases where you perhaps like need like Leslie Nielsen being the home plate umpire kind of Allard naked gun and just not call? Yeah, he was strikes? a great. He filibustered that game very well. <laughs> And he made it last for anyone that was uh, trying to watch that game. But so just to recap what Dan and I have said, and it seems a bit strange to say that we are on the same page, but we're saying the Astros and the Indians are going to the American League Championship Series. The Dodgers and the Nationals are going to the National League Championship Series. The games are getting underway. This episode will be uploaded and this has been recorded while games have been going on, but we haven't been watching those games, so it just it it'll be what it is. But for tonight, that wraps up tonight's episode. I would like to thank Dan, as always, for joining me on the Balls, Bats and Pots podcast. You can find all the links for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff in the notes of the episode. And where can I find all of your wonderful stuff, Dan? Ah, the the plug point. <laughs> well, you can find my work at ESPN.com. I do chats weekly and projections over at Fangraphs.com. And you can find me on the Twitterverse at D-S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. That's a lot of letters. If you get them wrong, the Google man will fix them for you. Absolutely. Do you know what I sometimes feel when you say that? I almost want to put a jingle that goes along with that. Yeah, I, ha- I had to spiel down <laughs> uh, pretty well because... I, I, I sometimes feel dirty about self-promotion, which seems <laughs> weird for a writer, but I always feel kind of icky like advertising. But if I, have, if I have the jingle down, I don't have to think about it too much. Nice. Is it? I, just, I, I would have to have a think about that one for when we um, next have you on the podcast talking some baseball. But for now, I have been your host, Stephen Edwards. You can find me on Twitter at TalkSportsStephen. You can find the podcast at Balls, Bats, Pucks. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app. All the details are in the episode notes, but until next time, enjoy some playoff baseball.